0: Love Talk
1: Radio What up in the morning when I wake up even before I fill my coffee cup I said. my head and said Say, say.
0: tuning in. I am your host, T. Love, here at From the Heart Radio, and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing underprivileged children with basic necessities of life. I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy psychology, positive psychology, and energy and vibrational sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where From the Heart Radio streams to you live each and every week bringing you optimistic and uplifting information from interesting people people who are making a positive impact in our world and today we have with us award-winning author David Dye I cannot even tell you how how lucky we are to have this gentleman on our show David helps human-centered leaders find clarity and uncertainty drive innovation and achieve breakthrough results he's the president of let's grow leaders which is an international leadership development and training firm known for practical tools and leadership development programs that stick. As I said, he's an award-winning author. But of not just one book, four books, including Courageous Cultures, Winning Well, and Customer Advocates, he has also written a children's book, Glowstone Peak. David also hosts the popular Readership Without Losing Your Soul podcast. He is a former executive and an elected official. David and his wife and business partner, Karen Hurt, are committed to their philanthropic initiative, Winning Wells, which is about building clean wells, water wells for the people of Cambodia, which is really a great initiative. His most recent book, Tomorrow Together, Essays of Hope, Healing and Humanity, is our topic for discussion. So, wow, David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking time to be here. It is indeed a pleasure to have you join us on From the Heart Radio. How are you being?
2: I am being fantastic, Keith. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure for me to be here.
0: All right, you're welcome, and you caught the being part. I like that. You paid attention. <laughs> that doesn't always happen. Thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Your book, Your book, Tomorrow Together, just launched this year, and this is a book of stories, and we know that stories create interest, and they make things memorable, and a good story can make the material personally relevant, which can lead to increased thinking about the material and a greater ability to apply the new knowledge, what you just read. So you have truly capitalized on the inherent narrative structure in the reader's quest for knowledge. I really think you have. Your stories allow the reader to see the value in being vulnerable, regardless of position. And while you are a writer of leadership and training books, this is, to me, so much more than that. I found your book, Together Tomorrow, to be an easy and quick read. It, it is thought-provoking it is insightful I smiled I laughed I nodded my head I truly enjoyed it and to be fair I have not read your other work I was presuming your other work is more academic but I might be wrong but still I'm going to ask how did you go from writing leadership and training books to a book about hope healing and humanity what, what was the catalyst for your writing this particular book tomorrow together
2: well, thank you, and I, I really do appreciate all those uh, kind words with regard to uh, what, what you took from it. Um, the, you are right in that the leadership books that I have written in the past, so there, I've got three that I've been involved with of those and then the children's book and so forth. They're not academic. They're, they're definitely practical uh, leadership tools and things to help managers be effective in, in human-centered ways and all of that. As you said, this one is different. It's a series of stories, and many of them are my stories and life experiences, and some of them are um, stories about things in history or different uh, observational humor or interest or things like that. And what led me to this book, um, I I was watching Hamilton on TV during the middle of the pandemic when it first came out uh, on TV. I had not seen it live. And so it was a treat to be able to see this. And I don't know if anybody remembers back then if you were staying at home through all of that. uh, You know, when something interesting happened that everybody could participate in, it was a big deal because it was there was not as much of that. So we were watching Hamilton uh, July Fourth weekend, and there's this song. Uh, where in his later days, Alexander Hamilton is writing, writing, writing. He's writing the Federalist Papers, writing all these things, and a song talks about why does he write like he's running out of time. And I was listening to that song, and it just – you know when you have those visceral reactions to something, and it just hits Mm. you in the chest, resonated. (laughs) So it it rang the gong at a frequency that I could not ignore, and I said, okay, I, I write all the time. I'm constantly writing, but am I writing like I'm running out of time? And the answer to that question was no. And in order to answer it, yes, I had to write this book, which was a number of different stories, observations, and and the overall message that together we can have a better tomorrow if we can connect to one another, if we can believe in one another, if we can, as you mentioned earlier, have the vulnerability with one another and recognize those perspectives. If we can do that, there is hope. So it's really a book of hope, and it's if I ran out of time today, it's the last thing I wanted to make sure I got written and out into the world in terms of that message of hope and Faith in, in what we're capable of at our best.
0: You you really did do that well, and let me just say I haven't seen Hamilton, and I do want to see it now because I've heard so many people talk about it, and I know that you can you can stream it. I'm pretty sure, and I'm not good at that, but my husband knows how to do it, so he'll figure it out. <laughs> I haven't seen it live, obviously, <laughs> but no, you didn't write it like you were running out of time. This this is such. I don't know. I just loved this book. Uh, To me, it's it's a great book. I appreciate that each chapter, first of all, was prefaced by a quote, which to me set up the message in the chapter. So you kind of get a glimpse of what's coming. And when you go back, I go back anyway, sometimes through books, it reminds you of what is in the chapter. So that I found to be helpful in shifting my mindset to start You know, before I even start reading, and providing a marker later when I need to go back or want to go back and and check out the chapter. So kudos Mm. to you for doing that. It had to take some effort to find the appropriate quotes that you found, which all were very appropriate. I'm
2: always, (laughs) I like writers are (laughs) writers are often readers, and I am always collecting, uh, always you know underlining and highlighting and and finding my own interesting quotes. So uh, many of those have been in my in my storage in my notes waiting for the chance to be. Used.
0: They they certainly did provide a great intro, if you will, to the to the the message in the chapter. So let's get into some of the messages of the book. I I would like to start if you would with an age of miracles. Now this was one of my favorite chapters and I say one because there were a lot of them <laughs> and very it was very early on in the book. I think it was chapter two. And for me it was a reminder that no matter what, no matter what, no one accomplished anything completely alone. And and you know sometimes you hear people say, oh I did this, I did that, and it's like, yeah, hey, you know nobody really does anything completely alone. And this chapter brings that concept to the forefront of the reader's mind because it speaks to how we're supported by others, which in turn, for me, again, fosters gratitude. And of course, the state of gratitude is always for the highest good of all. So this chapter. I found to be the start of a common thread that runs through your book, recognizing how we are supported by others and knowing we don't do anything alone is the foundation. Did I get yeah. that right? <laughs> you,
2: you really did. And, and the, 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 the epiphany, I guess is is what I would say is I, that chapter uh, I actually wrote on an airplane uh, a couple of years ago when I had a day where and like many days, I was traveling for work, but the morning started. I had a fantastic breakfast at a restaurant, uh, you know, with, without going into all the details. It was just a good breakfast. It wasn't something earth-shattering, but it was really good. And there was B.B. King playing on the overhead music, and I was texting my mom and my daughter and uh, and my, at that point, sweetheart and uh, and – you know, and my daughter's in Guatemala, my mom's in Denver, uh, Karen, my soon-to-be wife, was in Maryland, you know. Uh, then I get on a plane, or on the way to the plane, I stop, I get a flu vaccine. Uh, I get on a plane to go to work to make a trip that in the past would have taken weeks, and I can just get there in a couple hours, um, to see a friend who I had not seen in a couple years. And, and I took a nice walk along, you know, something like that. But when you think about it, Every one of those experiences, that's just one day, every one of those experiences not long ago, people would have either thought it was exclusive to royalty or it was devilish wizardry because it was so over the top, unimaginable. And so, you know, a meal assembled from spices from around the world, world-class music that you, you know couldn't fathom a couple hundred years ago being able to just hear that regularly near instant communication with your loved ones, no matter where they are in the world, a shot to prevent illness. that killed millions of people, two hours of travel, uh, that to make a trip that could have killed you just a couple hundred, a uh, hundred, 150 years ago. Like all of that is amazing. And it's not just that those things exist. It's the people who made them happen. So like you were saying, How many people were involved in that one day of just my life? It has to number in the hundreds of thousands. You know, the people who grew the food I ate, who cooked it, built the restaurant, you know, the electrical and natural gas system. And that's just for that meal. And that doesn't include, you know, everything else. So the the way in which we are related and the the interdependence that we have, if we recognize it, it is – uh, to me, it's unfathomable, and it's awe-inspiring, and it's humbling all at the same time. It's astounding.
0: It is astounding, and, and it, it runs through the entire book because at least I I saw it that way. Another one of your chapters, and I'm probably going a little bit ahead here, was called Connections, and the message of support is the same. It's just looked at from a different perspective in that In that chapter, it asks the question, how am I supporting others? So you went from all these people that you were grateful for, you could feel the gratitude for supporting you and allowing you to be a part of this magnificent day that really, you know, it, it it does take nobody thinks about that. Nobody thinks about, you know, the man who picks up the trash. I have to say, every day every week when the man takes picks up the trash I run to the window and after he picks up the trash I say, Thank you now he can't hear me. But I don't have to go <laughs> to the dump. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Thank you <laughs> Absolutely. And it just makes it yeah, it makes me feel good. I don't have to go to the dump. This is great. I just had to walk up the driveway. My husband had to walk up the driveway. But this other chapter which is, again, is a little bit further down. I I don't remember the the number, Uh, but that chapter asked the question, how am I supporting others? Which is the same concept, but from the other side. And it really, the whole book was so thought-provoking and insightful. And that one just, you know, I really did laugh and smile and nod my head through the whole thing. That was kind of cool, too, because you do think about, well, how am I I supporting these people? Am I? Am I doing that? And I found that just the...
2: the mirror. Oh, the mirror. Yeah, there. I love your analogy, like looking at the that aspect of our humanity and our existence through a number of different lenses. So, yes, there's that experiential lens of, gosh, who all was involved in, in this. Then there's the uh, what is the support that happens. And I, I think the chapter you're referring to starts out, I was, uh, again, I was in San Francisco for work, and I went up and saw the Redwoods. And one of the redwood trees is falling over. And I'm like, well, wow, this giant, huge tree, it must have gargantuan roots. But the root ball, the hole in the ground was only like six or eight feet deep. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, this gigantuous tree has to have like a massive deep root. Well, it doesn't. The roots go out just six or eight feet down, but then they go out 100 feet in every direction. And they intertwine and they lock up and they actually join together with the roots of the trees nearby. And so these giant trees, none of them get giant together. They're holding on to each other. And so through floods and through storms and all of the stuff that you could imagine for these huge trees they're going to deal with, they're able to do it because they're holding on to one another. And I just love that metaphor for what we're capable of. And then, yes, the question, as you said, is, all right, I've got other people holding on to my roots. Am I holding on to theirs?
0: Right. Yeah, that was really, you know, it's, it's a short book. It's a quick read. It's an easy read. I read it while I was waiting for my car to be uh, worked on at the dealership, so it was like a two-hour stint. <laughs> and I'm reading nice. the book, and, and, nice. I, and I thought, wow, this is, yeah, you got to take a book with you. <laughs> you have to take it wherever you go so that you can have something to do instead of, you know, turning on the TV. and. The, it was just so interesting because just prior to that chapter, I believe, I'm pretty sure it was the chapter before, a few, maybe a few before that, you, you had a chapter on people in trees. And that was <laughs> speaking so well to appreciating people for who they are. You know, all of these stories, they're quick lessons or messages that teach in a very entertaining way because they, they somewhat imbue feelings that are thought-provoking along with the I mean, a knowingness, if you will, that life really is easy. Not necessarily simple, though it can be, but easy because if you just shift your perspective a bit, it makes it so much easier. And I remember reading the the chapter on people and trees and the intro, I didn't kind of get the intro until I read the chapter because I think it was the one about Abraham Lincoln, where you can tell me where he gets his whiskey. And I'm like, okay, where are we going down the road with this people and trees? I'm not quite getting it. But then after reading the chapter, I thought, oh, okay, now I understand. Yeah. yeah, The quotes were really quite interesting. Yeah, Uh,
2: Yeah. it's, It's a fun story. Yeah, I love that story about uh, Abraham Lincoln and when people were being critical of General Grant and saying, you know, he's a drunkard. And and for your for your listeners, uh, it Abraham Lincoln re- replies to these critics of General Grant by saying, huh, he's a drunkard, huh? Well, can you tell me where he gets his whiskey?" And they're like, "Well, no. Why do you ask?" And he says, "Because I want to get a barrel and send it to all of my generals so they'll be as good as Grant is." <laughs> and well, again, what a what a fantastic story for, for us to learn from. And, and, yes, there are several more in talking about trees without getting into those details. The point being, everybody has something to offer. We all have our values, our strengths, our talents, our beauty. And the question is, are we looking for those in one another, or are we focused on something that doesn't matter as much? There's always going to be something to be critical of, always, for every one of yeah. us. I can. I can point things out myself, and others would be happy to. But what are we choosing to focus on? It's not those things that make the difference. What makes the difference is the strength, beauty, talent that people have to bring,
0: and just the fact that the you know the the level of appreciation, you know, the appreciating people for who they are and seeing because um, it, it got. I, I think that one is one also that got more into. The fact that I think that was the National Arboretum. Is that where you are at the
2: National Arboretum? I think. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, the the National Arboretum in D.C. is uh, I, if if you're listening and you've never been there, highly recommend it. Go. Oh. Um, it's it's not on the mall. It's uh, about half an hour. Take a cab or an Uber or something up up to uh, the northeast part of the city, and in the center of the Arboretum is the National Bonsai Museum, and in the center of that collection is this Japanese pine that I find so incredibly moving. I literally have, have shed tears in front of that tree more than once. Um, at one time, I uh, this is a side I, I took a date there, uh, at a single point in my life and took a date and it was raining and she was a photographer. So she's taking pictures of everything and she turns around, I kind of teared up and she mm. looks at me, she's like, you are adorable, which I found out is code for no second date. But it was a you know no, it was geez, a I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, I found that out anyway. Uh, but the oh, I, and I, I, have, I have I have no problem with that because why was that tree so moving to me? It's nearly 400 years old, and so if you know anything about bonsai trees, that means that 400 years of people. Generation after generation yeah. have diligently cared for that tree and taken care of it every day because they need almost daily care. And then the other thing is that that tree survived the atomic bombing at Hiroshima. It was just a mile from ground zero. Yeah. And, and then it was gifted to the U.S. for our bicentennial in 1976, and it's the centerpiece of this collection. So I look at that tree, and it's like war, art, beauty, culture, discipline, peace. I mean, it's just this embodiment of human experience, and so I asked one of the, the gardeners, uh, my very first time I ever saw it, and I'm just blown away, and I said, how do you how do you make these trees so beautiful? And he was an older gentleman, he looked at me and said, son, you don't make a tree do anything. He said, that's not our job, and now I'm summarizing, but basically he said, our job is to cultivate, take care of the tree, and release the beauty that it has. So it's got its beauty. It's our job to find it, protect it. Uh, sometimes we need to prune it, yeah, in shape and so forth, and protect it from disease and give it the light and air and, and water it needs. But the tree is going to bloom and grow because that's what trees do. And so as I was flying home from that trip, it, you know, it started to sink in for me that it, that's not just a message for trees. It's a message for all of right. us that people are like trees, and that's where the title of the chapter comes from, and that we all have our ways of growing and blooming and being, as you started with, how are you being, and being when we cultivate that environment for one another. So how can we see that, see those beauty, strength, talent, opportunities in one another and help cultivate and bring out those?
0: And that was the best part is that it's not our job you know about making a tree beautiful. You just care for it and find the beauty and strength that it already has and reveal it. And I loved that. I thought, yeah, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing with our children? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing with each other to see the beauty and the strengths that we each have instead of going down that negative road and you know the bullying and the in the uh, uh, all the drama. You know, uh, really, I mean, your book is also historically educational because I didn't realize that. That tree came over, and it was 400 years old until I read your book. So I thought, oh, wow, that's really cool. I did not know that. (laughs) I I hope that every reader has a couple of
2: those. (laughs) Yeah, I sure hope that's the case. I I love those different elements of history and those things that we might not know, and I love reading those in other books. And so if that's something you enjoy, you'll certainly enjoy tomorrow together.
0: Yeah, you absolutely will, because it's not an educational book. It's not like you're sitting there reading an academic book. You are reading stories, and because of that, because stories are so, they resonate with us and people can relate to them easily, you remember them better. You remember things better because of the way the narrative is written, and when it's written in story form, which is why many times children are taught through stories, they remember things better. So it is, it is unique in that, and I loved that, that it just made you want to read more to continue, you know, and not put the book down. I think that my most favorite chapter, though, as I said, I have a few. <laughs> I couldn't really pick. <laughs> I had a few. But I really loved How Can We Live? I love all those questions. You gave the reader the questions that we need to ask of ourselves so we don't have to really do the work. Those are us questions, not what to ask other people. And each question begins with, how can we? So right there, it's thought-provoking, and it's insightful. And those questions, to me, were an excavation of the reader's own soul, which in turn kind of allows us to relate more intimately with others on a soulful level, no matter what the situation. This isn't about romance. It's about being present with each person and the moments that we're engaging with them so they both know and feel that we're seeing them and hearing them, that they're important, that we are there, we're present for them. And even though the questions are not how can I, but they are "Why? how can we, they beg us to start with ourselves. That's what I was getting from that. So from your perspective, what was your goal with those questions or that chapter?
2: Hmm. Uh, that that particular one, I released that as an essay uh, about six or seven years ago online. It was one of the first things that I wrote in this collection, and to date, it is still I think the piece of writing I've possibly had the most interaction with online. Um, right. And so, the the, the 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 piece goes for listeners' benefit it starts, the fundamental question of our time is, how can we live together? That's the, how can we? And for me, that is a question, and this is no exaggeration. When I was 11 or 12 years old, I wrote a version of that question on a notepad. And it is a question that has pursued me my entire life. Because there are so many different beliefs. So many different approaches to the good, to the being, to pursuing life. And everybody wants good for their children and for themselves. And, and, you know, most people, there are very few people who see themselves as a bad person who are out to do somebody harm. And so coming with all of the beliefs that we have and the fact that we share a small rock, this planet is got a very thin atmosphere and there's a lot of us on it and it's our only home up to this point.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
2: another essay where I talk right. about Carl Sagan's blue dot, but that that question of how can we live together? I'm inviting the reader in on that question and and there are several essays in this book that are there are no answers. I don't intend them to be answers. I do invent, intend them to be pr- provocative, hopefully thought-provoking questions that cause us to reflect and really a- answer that question because, you know, let's just take a couple of easy, easy, easy to identify differences. So how can we who believe our way is the only way live alongside we who believe there are many ways? How can mm. we who believe in freedom and responsibility live alongside we who believe in security and protection? Who, yeah. How can we who believe in the common good live alongside we who believe in the good of the individual? And so you start to, to, with these questions, they're all phrased in that way. We who believe this, how can we who believe this live alongside we who believe this? And the, those two, the this are two different things. Because that's the reality of our existence. And as human beings, there was a time when we could live in isolation from one another. And we who believe this, we're going to go live over here. And we who believe that, we're going to live over here. And we may never have known each other. Well, that history doesn't exist anymore. And the, the reality we face is one in which we need to live together. And we've got to figure it out. The consequences of not figuring it out are dire. And on the flip side, the consequences of figuring it out are amazing. And so those it's a series of, of those kinds of questions that ultimately culminate in the fact that we share a very small rock after all,
1: yeah. And
2: or at least we, we all call it home. And whether we will find a way to share it remains to be seen. And so the question is, how can we live together?
0: Yeah, I I loved that chapter because we can look at those who are reading this book and reading that question can not answer it, but think about it, you know, uh, really ponder what it means and then realize that, okay, you just have to let people live and let live. But the other person on the other side also needs to do the same thing so that we live in peace because everybody should be able to have their own viewpoints without having a war. We're not there yet, but boy, does this book take it a step closer to say, why can't we live in peace? Why can't we just all have our own viewpoints and live our own way without having to force it upon another? And I just, there's got to be at least 20 questions in that chapter. And they're mm-hmm. just one right after the other. It's not like you're reading anything in between. You're just seeing the questions and each one you look at and think, wow, wow. The wow has just got louder in my head as I was reading. It. It's like, yeah, that's, You know, why can't we, how can we, you know, and, but it begins with us. It begins with each person, you know, like that song, let it, let peace, let there be peace on earth. Let it begin with me. It's the same thing. Only you wrote it out in a question format that allows people to really see the why. And I loved that. I loved that. That's why that was my, my most favorite chapter of all my favorite chapters.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate that. And, and I, I, it is. Uh, it's funny in terms of uh, of all of the chapters, and it's uh, it's hard to pick one. Which one is your favorite? <laughs> you know, as an author, it's like me to pick.
1: It up, is. But,
2: uh, yeah, but that one is definitely one that encapsulates those questions. And my hope is that we will recognize the truth in one another as we read those questions. Because. Yeah. Our value set for any of those questions may align on one side of the question or the other but they're all us they're all all of us and if we mm-hmm. can start to see that that's part of the path forward I believe that is part of the answer to how can we live together is to recognize those truths in one another without them while still being able to have our own and being committed to respecting those for one another as opposed to othering other people, and then diminishing them.
0: Sure, kind of like agree to disagree. You know, to just but be at peace with it and say, yeah, okay, I'm I'm not going to dislike that person because they don't have the same beliefs as I do or the same affiliations that I do. I'm just going to allow them to be in my head because why not? I want them to allow me to be in theirs and to to share the space and understand that we're people and that's what makes up the world. You know, yep. um, it, yeah, it is very yeah, it's very very thought provoking. Very. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that chapter a lot. I, I lingered there, you know, which was good because the car took longer than I thought, so I was able to finish the book. <laughs> it's a good thing I lingered. Uh, it's so, so <laughs>
2: interesting. You know, I have found that there are effectively only, and I, I don't, I try not to do these binary types of divisions, but there seem to be two types of readers for this book. There are the people like yourself who read it in one sitting. <laughs> And they just go, oh, my gosh, yeah. they just go through it. And then there is a type of reader who will parcel it out, and they'll do one or two of the the stories and essays, and then they'll sit and reflect on it for a while, maybe a day or two, or one a day or, or one a week. And then they really stretch it out over time. Uh, there are definitely uh, some different kinds of readers for a book like this.
0: Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately for me, I, I'm reading it for a show, but I try to get out of it as much as I possibly can. And there are some books that I keep and do not put away in the library but just keep to uh, around my office on the desk, on the table, the the waiting room when people are waiting so that they can, you know, pick it up and read it or something. Um, and this is one of those where it's it's a keeper. It's one that you you look at and you say, yeah, okay, there's a lot to get out of this book. I need to go back through it again because I was reading it specifically to develop questions for this interview. And I I knew that, but I also knew I can get a lot more out of this if I just read it again. And I find many times you read a book once and you get something, and it kind of just immerses in you. And then when you read it the second time, I look at it sometimes and I think, Wait, I know there weren't little gnomes that changed the writing in the book, but I honestly do not remember reading this part at all. And you get more out of it the second and or the third time that you read a book. And that's well, what's amazing. Changed, so right? that when I Yeah. Oh yeah. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> it was the gnomes that came in and rewrote the book. It couldn't have been me. <laughs> you know? No, I know that it's the yeah, the fact that we got it and now we're ready to get the next part of it and the next part of it every time you read it. And your book does that so well. And the beauty of it is it's because it is a quick read. You can go back and read each separate chapter. Or as I said at the beginning, you can look at the quote and know what's in the chapter and say, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. Or just pick it up and open it, and that's pretty much what you need in that moment. I've always found that. Open a book, and it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I need today. And you read it, and that you get a different view than you did from the first time it's, it's beautiful it's beautifully written you, you are one heck of a good writer i will say that <laughs> I, oh, I appreciate it very much <laughs> you're welcome right now it's time for our break for our soji share what we do here is it's uh we're sharing stories about kids from all over this planet who are not just filled with hope but they're motivated they're creative they're focused they're passionate and they want to make a difference in the world and our goal at sojikids.org is to spread joy hence our name SOGI, which is an acronym for Sharing Our Joy Intentionally. And this week, our Soji share is a young woman named Rina Kawasaki. When Rina was eight years old, she read a book in which she learned that there were children who could not go to school due to the political situation in her country. And that struck her greatly. She saw it as a situation that had to be remedied, and she began to participate in various volunteer projects to assist them. So she, being motivated as a teenager and, and with her anger at the injustice children face, she noticed that she was looking to foreign countries to make a difference for disadvantaged youth. But when she looked back at Japan, where she came from, she realized that the youth in her own country were also in need of assistance. So the educational system seemed to be especially needed and that they rejected individuality and the government and the corporations which often discriminate against youth and limit diversity in Japan or Japanese society overall. So she took it upon herself to introduce projects that target the injustice that Japanese youth face in their daily life. When she was 14 years old, she and a friend started an organization called Earth Guardians Japan. The motivation behind that was to alleviate the devastating consequences of the education system in Japan and to remedy the lack of faith in the Japanese government that the youth had. So she and her team created a solution through a new system that allows children to be the change they want to see in the world. And they implemented a project connecting schools and local political representatives via Zoom to increase the interest of Japanese youth in getting involved in politics. So her organization focused on aiding the environment with projects such as holding a local running of a um, River cleaning in the local river at Juso. I'm hoping I'm going to pronounce these words correctly, Osaka, Japan, and planning programs for student entrepreneurs to propose ideas to large corporations in Japan, which were great tools to empower students to demonstrate that their ideas also can make an impact. Due to her work, her organization is the youngest youth organization officially working with the Japanese government's Ministry of Environment sector, to include the voice of youth in government operations. She is known as the leading youth advocate in Japan, which led her to being appointed as the youngest chief future officer for a biofueled jet company in Japan. And owing to this achievement, Tokyo's government approached her to advise their team, to advise their team on reforming Tokyo's region. So throughout the project, uh, Rena is working Lena is working on the Tokyo Bay Project, which is an urban development looking ahead 50 to about 100 years, and the purpose of the project is to create a sustainable city that combines nature and convenience, and it's estimated to impact the entire area of Tokyo, where 37 million people live. But she was also invited to participate in the Turtech Project, where she, with her team, developed a QR code system that would incorporate young people's voices in the decision-making process. And that idea was adopted by the mayor of Nahama and that will impact the entire population of the city. So Rina is paving the way forward to make it possible for youth to participate in all layers and sectors of society in Japan. She has become a beacon of hope, and she's a visible representative of youth in Japan running positively impactful projects. Her goal is not only to ensure her generation has better opportunities, but that future generations have them too. Education and environment are two topics that are of paramount importance to to her, and she strives to set high on the agenda in society, and she really is truly an extraordinary pioneer in her country. She's making the voices heard of youth and converting them into tangible results, so kudos to her, and to ensure her efforts are not only impactful in Japan, she's actually planning globally by creating educational young leadership programs fit for each country, each country, during the next 10 years of her life. I mean, this is incredibly brave. She's daring to stand up as a young female and break through traditional barriers in a peaceful, but a, I don't know, a very compelling way. She is a real change maker and... And she is the winner of the International Children's Peace Prize 2022. I didn't even know there was a Children's International Peace Prize until I read about her. And she's won it for 2022, rightfully so. And this, this right here is the good stuff that's happening in our world. And our children are coming up with these ideas on their own and doing it with other people. They're getting people involved. It's, it's the good stuff that Soji chooses to focus on and share with you each week. You know, there's so much positive and so much impactful good going on in the world. We need to seek that out every day and just put it out there so that people see that there is a lot of good amongst all the stuff that you're hearing on whatever social media or TV shows you're watching. We need to, we really need to spread a good contagion for a change and make a positive impact. So this is just one example of how kids are making this world better and more joyful and it's not just for themselves. It's for others. It's for all of us. So kudos to her, to this week's Soji Share, Rena Kawasaki. Really, really proud of this young woman who I've never met, and I just think she's doing a wonderful job. So How we are back inspiring. with David. Isn't it? It really is. I thought so, too. I was like, wow, this kid's doing amazing things. I mean, and especially in Japan, we all know how that can be difficult. We've heard, you know, especially a young person, and to work with the government, this is crazy good. It's really crazy good. It gives you hope. It gives me hope anyway.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic <laughs> work. Well, we kudos Serena.
0: Yeah, kudos Serena. <laughs> We're back with David Dye, author of Tomorrow Together, Essays of Hope, Healing, and Humanity. And you can learn more about David at his website. Let's grow leaders.com. So I want you to go ahead and write this down now. It's dot com, And then you can visit his site after the show. And I need to add, and you know, David, I don't say this lightly at all or often at all. I, my listeners know this together tomorrow is to me, really, it is quite a fun, it is a diamond and it is fun, I found it to be a wonderful teaching tool, kind of like under the guise of delightful and impactful stories that resonate with people. Everyone I think can find at least one story in the book that they resonate with so kudos to you I, I really have to add that because it, it, it uh, I don't know it just really really made a difference in what I was reading and how it was being presented from other books that I've read and how they're being presented and I really thought this is a better way of teaching, and really getting to the point succinctly and powerfully. So thank you for that.
2: Man, I so appreciate it. And uh, that's everything that I want tomorrow together to be. And if uh, people are going to find it, you can find it just about anywhere books are sold.
0: Yep. And Amazon, that's online, or at your local bookseller, whatever. Um, okay, so before our soldier share, we were talking about the trees and the appreciation of others. And – and along with that is the acknowledgement of others. You know, it's great to appreciate, but if you're not acknowledging that appreciation to another person, they're not going to know that they're appreciated. So, you know, we, we talk about that a lot here at From the Heart Radio. It's the ripple effect, which you do mention in your book. So tell us more about that from your perspective, if you would, David. You
2: know you mentioned, uh, and thank you for the compliment you said you i 'm quite a writer um, i haven 't always known that yeah. and there's uh one of the stories that I actually share was the first uh, book that I ever wrote trying to get it published. I was part way through it, and I was struggling along and uh, I met a woman she was a retired navy commander. her name was Mary Kelly, and I uh, sat next to her on an airplane and was telling her what 's going on and and she, I said, I've got this meeting planner that would like a copy of this book, but I'm not sure how to get it finished and if I can do it on time. Mm. And she was a lovely, personable human being, but I call it – she went Commander Kelly because she took me by the shoulders, looked at me on that airplane and said, David, you were going to finish that book, and you were going to have it in time for her conference. Do you understand me? And all you can do at that point is go, yes, ma'am, and salute. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. And she – she walked me – she spent the next 90 minutes on that plane giving me a crash course in publishing and writing and a number of different aspects of – There's writing is one thing. Getting a book out is a whole other endeavor. So I get the book out. Mm-hmm. I made the deadline, and in gratitude, I sent her a copy. So one of the things I always share with listeners, with, with anybody, be good at your thank yous. It's an easy way to distinguish yourself in the world is not enough people say thank you. So I went back. I said, Mary, thank you so much. Here's a copy of the book. Gave her you know, something else in, in gratitude. Well, I ran into her about a month later at a conference, and she comes up to me, and she says, David, I read your book. It's it's good. And I said, thanks, Mary. I appreciate that. And she went to Commander Kelly again, and she took me by the shoulders, and she said, David, you're not listening
0: to <coughs> me. You know I
2: mean, staring me straight in the eye, not blinking, right? You are a good writer. You need to write more. Are you listening to me?
0: <laughs> you know?
2: And what a treat. What an absolute gift because – and I, I genuinely I appreciate you telling me that the writing touched you in that way and made a difference for you. And I don't know that this book would ever have happened or any of the others that have happened since, uh, all but those that you mentioned, and the five, and we're writing another one now, for our publisher just asked for another one, that I, any of those would have happened had she not taken the 30 seconds to say, you're a good writer, listen to me, you need to do And those compliments, those encouragements, those moments of, of opportunity that we have, uh, from one another, are we then circling back with the gratitude? And so my encouragement mm-hmm. in, in that chapter, and my encouragement for everybody listening today, one practical thing you can do, as soon as you, you finish listening to the show, who is somebody you'll, you're grateful for in some fashion that you haven't told them or haven't told them recently? As soon as the show's over, take a beat and text them or call them or do something to let them know. It makes so much difference.
0: Yep. It makes a huge difference. I've always found that. I, it's funny because whenever anything happens within the county and I read about it in the paper, I send people a congratulations or a thank you if they won an award or thank you for helping me with this or whatever it is. I always send a thank you note. And I had one gentleman say to me, you know, that's a lost art. And I said, is it? And he goes, you're the only one that's doing it. And I said, that's pretty lost, isn't it? And he started laughing. <laughs> and he said, yeah, gee, it's really kind of cool. And then I learned a couple of years later that people say, oh, yeah, she's the thank you note lady. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Because one woman said to me, I won an award, and I didn't get a thank you note from you within a week. And then I got it like three days after that, and I thought, oh, thank God. <laughs> laughing because she's won a number of awards, and she always gets a thank you. She said, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, you got the award. She said, I know, but for some reason, the note felt like so much more. I just thought that was hysterical. But people don't. They throw their thank yous away, and you need to really get back to That's the appreciation. Because you know why? When she was talking to you, and I remember reading that in the book, I thought, this woman is genuine, and that's why she got to him because she was giving you a genuine compliment. She was saying it from her heart, and you were receiving it at that same level, and so you took it and went with it, and that's what makes the difference because when you go through the line, let's say, at the grocery store, and you just say, yep, thank you, and you walk away, and you're not looking at the person's eyes, and you're not saying thank you to them. You're just throwing your thank you behind you. It's not the same. It's, it's just yeah. the words. And so, it's possible yeah, I really, in those
2: moments. Yeah, it's it's possible yeah, to even those actually, moments to really really make the eye contact and connect. You know, and, and yeah, and say, Hey, I really appreciate your help tonight. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, it makes a difference. you can make a connection in a in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. It's true. You know, the ripple the ripple effect is, is how we speak. It's our words. And you speak to that I thought so well in your chapter Silent Craft and Violent the Day. Those stories were riveting, and even though we've all heard, you know, silence is golden and you can gain much from just being quiet, as, you know, as well as whether you think you can or you can't, you're right, and what you focus on grows. All very true statements, your stories actually create a pivot point. So it's not just words that, yeah, I've heard that before. It's a pivot point. They show by example, by life experience, by the things that you tell in the story, their relative, everyday examples of how our thoughts and our words create an experience that, you know, we may not much like or want, but if we shift that a bit, we will like the experience that we get out of it. And those two chapters really are the order of the book, whether you put it in order, the order that you put it in on purpose or not, it just made sense. You must have put it in well, order the way that you wanted it to be, right? Right. <laughs>
2: Uh, yes, and I have to uh, give my editor, uh, Alexandra O'Connell, uh, a massive shout-out. Uh, every good writer, they have a good editor. And uh, and you know, for those who are not familiar, editing isn't just like, oh, there's they need a punctuation mark there. Uh, it really is like, okay, let's see what we have here. And I had my own flow, and she recommended a mm-hmm. couple of changes in the order of things. She says, I think your sequencing would work better. From here to here, and so it was a joint project, getting the, the order correct, but yeah, that build, and what you've talked about it in a number of ways, but I really have to I'm talking about acknowledging people uh, Alex here's your shout out, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>
0: Yeah, what you two did, really, it just builds upon each other. As I said, there's a common thread throughout the book. I don't know if anybody else has said that to you or not, but I saw it from the beginning. I I, I I caught something in the beginning, and I saw it within a chapter or two later, and I thought, oh, this is going to be the common thread, and it was, and I tend to read like that to see where's the where's the underlying tone, and what is it that we're getting out of this, and it's, you know... It's there, and one thing I forgot to mention is that after each section, you offer an interlude that also, while somewhat thought-provoking, it kind of wraps up what was in the section that you've just read, and I I found that those interludes to be go-to places as well for a quick shift in energy and perspective, so those particular stories kind of quiet the mind and offer peace as you reflect on the words and, and really take them in, and you can kind of as you're reading the interlude, you are remembering the stories within the section. And they're also very quick, the chapters, the section, and the interludes. But, but the one thing, your postlude, that was expansive. That wraps up the entire book in a way that you cannot put the book down and not know what has been read. If you read the postlude and – you can't remember the rest of the book. Something is wrong. <laughs> it makes it all cement with you. It does. I'm, and I'm not going to say much about it except, wow, no spoiler alert here, you know, going on here right now. you got to get this book and read it. I guarantee you will be ever so glad you did, and you will walk away feeling lighter and filled with a sense of wonder, and you'll have a smile on not just your face but also your heart and your soul, It just really, those interludes and the postlude kind of wrapped up each section. The postlude just brought the whole book together. It was, it's phenomenally done. I don't think I've ever said that on this show before, and I've been doing this show for 14 years. I don't think I've ever said that. Phenomenally, phenomenally, phenomenally. I'm going to use that word. I'm sticking with it.
2: (laughs) Well, you're putting a smile on my heart and soul to you. Thank you.
0: Well, you're quite welcome. Um, and having said that, as we get toward the top of the hour, do you have any final thoughts, David, or is there anything I missed that you want to mention? Oh, I do want to ask you about <laughs> the Cambodia Wells.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, we can go there. Um, yeah. okay, go ahead with your question.
0: My question is: Tell us about the Cambodia Wells. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, the, the first your, your, book.
0: Your, your, let's plug your, you know, your nonprofit. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. The first book that uh, my wife and I wrote together, we had both written independently prior to that, <clears throat> was called Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. And we had been um, doing some some work alongside a friend of ours who runs a nonprofit in Southeast Asia to support women and children and their families called Together We Can Change the World. And he was telling us about a, a clean water initiative that they have and where they build wells and karen and i got to give her the credit on this one looks at me and says Mm -hmm. david winning wells and it was the perfect alignment of something that we we really cared about uh in terms of giving back to the world that's important for us from a business perspective not just individually and so what we do is for every client we work with we honor that client. We don't charge them for it. We do it ourselves. We honor that client by building or having built, we're not building them ourselves personally, but by having the local group build a clean water well in Cambodia uh, in honor of our client in celebration with them. And so we've built, uh, I want to say 130, 140 wells so far, I think. And we've been able to visit them. And the tremendous tremendous difference that clean water makes uh to me in terms of doing good for people in the world it's one of the most impactful things there's so many different ways to do it and i'm glad that we're all all of us who are are and for us this is a really meaningful way The we have met children and seen the difference in their health in just six months going from you know yeah. really really rough water to clean water we've seen the economic impact on families that could grow produce and then get some chickens and then get lime trees and, um, and, and so forth. And then the way that it's spread with generosity throughout, it's not just the one family, but the, and the people of Cambodia are just amazing. Um, You know, it's a, it's a country that has been really, really poorly treated by kind of the entire world in, in different ways. It's neighbors, us, Greater powers, like it's, it's had a really, really hard go, and then its own civil war and genocide and everything, and, and yet the people are just so loving and gentle, and um, there's a graciousness that they, the rest of us would have no right to expect in the people of Cambodia, and so it's, a, it's a really a cool opportunity, and we're, we're grateful to be able to provide those those wells for the people there and um, and for the work that allows us to be able to do that
0: that is amazing that it's so because clean water is so important for so many reasons for so many reasons you know it's just absolutely so important oh my goodness um okay so i want to thank you so much for being on the show but uh, your book can be purchased anywhere and everywhere amazon local book sellers and everywhere else. Why don't you tell us how people can learn more about you and your work and where they can, you know, find out more?
2: Absolutely. So uh, you already shared the business website, letsgrowleaders.com. The book website is tomorrowtogetherbook.com, and uh, you can find everything you need at either of those locations.
0: That's terrific. Thank you so much. I have a clock that's going <laughs> to play a Christmas song in just a minute. so I apologize to my listeners. But, hey, listeners, you know me. We need to spread the word. You know, We know you enjoy what you hear on From the Heart Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a most challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live productively, healthily, and purposely. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So please share the good news by sending the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they can learn and grow and make the world a better place too. On behalf of everyone here at From the Heart Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next time for another great show here at From the Heart Radio. Please also check out Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone. Every penny goes toward underprivileged children, and right now we're help subsidizing the cost of mental health sessions for children who might not otherwise receive this much-needed therapy. So please check it out at SojiKids.org. That's S-O-J-I-K-I-D-S.org. Please follow us on Twitter at SojiHuggles. while you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. Now, our From the Heart Radio thought for this week is from a gentleman who we all have recently learned about. And the quote is, we survive in one another. Every human breath is a declaration to the universe of the many generations that came before. They were here. I do not know their names, but I received their gifts, their creations, their love. Know me and know them. And when you see future generations, see my gifts, my love, and my creation in them. What gifts love and creation will the future enjoy from you and that is a quote from this week's guest david die i am your host t love hear it from the heart radio intending you and yours a magical holiday season filled with joy peace and love remember living from your heart is quite easy you need only give thanks to do so take care and stay well
1: Thank you, thank you What if I looked at the day and the hours ahead And before I moved forward I bowed my head and said Thank you, oh I said thank you Everything that I had, I could smile and somehow still be glad and say thank you Thank you Cause life is joy, life is pain, but the prayer on my heart will never change i say